Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grubacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome to our author, strong and powerful Andy Frazier. Andy, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. Let's go. Awesome. Let's let's do this. Andy is a CFP, a COU, a CHFC, RICP, a BFA, a CHSNC, a CDFA, and the author of Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. Excited to have you back on the show. And Andy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the book. Well, a little bit about me. I grew up in the South. I live in um, Long Island in New York now, but um, go back to the South often. And so I married with two kids. I have one in college and one a junior in high school. So life is pretty good for me right now. Nice. Appreciate that. And I know you have so much expertise, and I've always enjoyed your perspective on 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 money and 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 the business. Um, and I, with a lot going on, just life in general, what was the motivation for actually becoming an author or or or, or, or writing the book? You know, for many years, I had been working in the financial industry and had the opportunity to talk with consumers and advisors over and over again. And one thing that kept kind of coming up is how people's mindsets really influence their ability to make decisions and their behavior around money has a lot more influence on their ability to reach their financial potential than really almost anything else. And so the reason that I really wrote the book is because I wanted to actually talk about that in a way that would allow people to start to explore that for themselves. And so that's really what kind of launched me into wanting to write this book. Thanks. I appreciate that. So when somebody picks it up, what are you hoping that, that, that they really get out of reading it? So this book is really 11 conversations to have with yourself about life, money, and worth. And so the goal of the book is for people to read it and start to really think for themselves about their own relationship to money. It's not a how-to book. I feel like there's a lot of those that are out there. And so I kind of wanted to write one that you might read before you would read a how-to book, one that would get you to be thinking about you know, how your approach to money is, what are your beliefs, and what are your values and goals. And then I do give you some things to be thinking about that are more tactical, but certainly these are conversations to have with yourself first before you start to take action around your money. Yeah, I think that that's so valuable and a, a phrase that I've been using it seems like I've been saying all the time lately is, you know, the only way to answer these questions is to ask yourself these questions. And, mm-hmm. but sometimes I think that we don't necessarily have the right questions to ask or, or we don't know. And so why, why, how did you uh, come to 11? Well, I, it didn't really start out with 11. I think it started out with nine and then we kind of expanded it a little bit and it just so happened to kind of, 
um, go down that path. The, the first part of the book is really focusing on that mindset, those beliefs. There's some storytelling in there that I talk about one of my first clients where this really started to bubble up to the surface about how her mindset was really controlling her ability to make really strong financial decisions and was keeping her in this vicious cycle. And so I talk a little bit about that. I help people identify what their money maxim is, um, which is something that they say to themselves throughout their lives that is not always positive. It might be something that's caused them to have success, but it might also be preventing them to get to where they really want to be and how to break that down and identify it and how to work with it. And so the first part of the book really focuses heavily on that part of somebody's relationship to money. And then the second part gets into some other things like around looking at you know, your protection, your savings growth, cash flow debt, just some quick things to be kind of considering for yourself. And then I wanted to just at least be able to touch on people's relationship around money and how they talk to money, um, talk to their children about money or how do they talk to their loved ones about money, because I think that's also um, really important. And then how to deal with those expected and unexpected events. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And we all do have a have our own unique relationship with money. Uh, I probably most of us have a, a, a kind of a troubled relationship, and uh, just I, I guess maybe that's a that's something I'd be curious about to get your perspective on. Do you think that most people have a, a good relationship with money, or is it or, or is it kind of tricky? You know, it's really interesting, George. When I was doing research for this book, I talked to a lot of um, people that had siblings um, that their sibling really came about understanding or working with money very differently than they did. And it was really interesting to see two people who grew up in the same environment learned the same things from their parents, but make very different decisions with regards to themselves about how they interacted with money. And so I do think that people have to explore that for themselves. Either you're going to typically repeat what you saw your parents are relatives or teachers or people that were older than you do, or you're going to decide you're going to do something totally the opposite. And I think the point may not be that everything you're doing might be wrong. It's just taking a, an opportunity to explore how that's influencing your ability to think rationally and logically as an adult about money. So support up. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's, that's just the reality is that we, we have been influenced greatly by whatever you know however we were raised if you know if money was around or if it wasn't around whatever that might be it's imprinted on you and going back and actually having the conversation and, and doing the work and figuring out okay why am i responding this way in these situations and that's i guess I, i'm always curious about what kind of habits that you're hoping to help people break and build and perhaps that's one of them yeah. And, you know, George, I think that a lot of people, when they're thinking about being troubled with money, I think the hardest thing to get people to do is to get in the habit of saving. Um, so many people I talk to will say, oh, I'll come and talk to you when I, you know, save money or mm -hmm. when I start doing that. And, and so I think that um, it, I can really help them address that. And some people forget that part of what a good um, financial advocate or money mentor will do is they'll help them actually to get in a position to where they can really start to develop that good habit from the get-go and then they can build on that later on yeah it's chicken and the egg right well i'd like to talk to a financial professional but until i can start saving then i don't <laughs> see the reason right right just... right or they think they can earn their way out of um a dilemma and that doesn't really happen too often no no 
So there's the the technical stuff, which which we're which we're talking about, but then obviously just just all the all the stuff floating around in our heads. Um, and you probably, I think we probably talked a good amount about this when when we talked last time. But you, you've got the 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 life and the worth part. How 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 do those factor more deeply into this? Well, I think I saw this. Um, I studied women, so I certainly saw this in a lot of the women that I spoke to. I'm not saying that it's not um, also something that men experience, but in my research, I really focused heavily on women for this particular um, subject, and that was that a lot of women, you know, tended to kind of think that their net worth really determined their self worth, and it really is the other way around. If you have a strong sense of self worth, then you're able to then build better net worth. And so I think it's really um, interesting to explore that deeper to see how we can start to psychologically reverse that mindset for um, for women, so that they start to see that you know it's not your wealth that really determines who you are in the world and how people should be with you. It's really about your own sense of self-worth that needs to come first. Yeah. I think that's certainly a powerful thing. Um, when you were doing all of your research, um, and I'm I'm sure it took a very long time, was there anything and, 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 and just putting the book together, you've, you've, you've got your ideas on what you want the thing to be. Then you start doing your research. I'm sure that things you're like, Oh wow. Things you uncovered. Is there anything that you really wanted to make sure that you didn't do? Well, I really didn't want to start getting into like, you know, you should be doing X, Y, and Z with Mm -hmm. your money. And one of the things that I hear so much is that it's really easy to kind of espouse a certain philosophy about money and, and kind of like you should always invest in this first, you should always do this second. And I think that's a little bit, um, reckless because every person's individual situation is so different. And so when you hear, oh, I should be, you know, maxing out my 401k plan is my very first thing that I do, that may not be the right choice for you, depending on what other things that you have going on in your life. And so I really wanted to be intentional about not getting into too much of that in the book, because I do believe that each person's individual situation dictates how and when they do certain things. And there may be kind of a rule book to follow, um, so to speak. And I do think that is something that I even bring into my practice, but I don't think it needs to be so cut and dry for every single person that it always has to follow that. And so that was something that I really wanted to make sure that I didn't do in this book. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, um, and it was released on in, in March of, of 2020. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. About three days before the world shut down. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to have done different with the book launch? Well, not have the world close. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was in Georgia doing my very first book signing. I went back to my hometown in Rome, Georgia to do my book signing. And it was um, on March um, 12th, I think it was the book signing. And, you know, there we had people there, but everybody was I had hand sanitizer on the table because this was right when this outbreak was really starting to happen. And I was supposed to speak at a conference that weekend and the conference got abruptly canceled um, because of the concerns, certainly about having group gatherings. And I got on a plane and flew back to New York and didn't leave my house for a month. I mean, it was, you know, a little bit crazy. So certainly I think looking back, i it would have been nice if maybe I could have launched when I could have been out and about with the community. You know, I love talking to people and really looking at them in the eye and hearing about their stories. And so I hope to be able to get to do that again once um, 
we're able to get back to some new normal. Yeah, yeah. I hope that that happens sooner rather than later. All <laughs> I really want to see you uh, out there shaking hands or fist bumping and talking mm-hmm. about the book because that means that, that everything that you just described has happened. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, are there really, I, I guess, um, is there a favorite conversation that you have out of the 11 that you want to highlight? Well, interestingly enough, one of my favorite conversations is the one about love and money because we know that so many relationships implode because of um, financial concerns, whether it be that the couple struggles to make ends meet and there's constant bickering about money or whether there be that one person in the relationship may not be as forthcoming and truthful about what's going on with their finances. And that can certainly breed about mistrust and secrecy in a relationship. And, And even when couples dissolve their relationship, whether it be through a divorce or just a separation or an ending of a partnership, you know, I think it's important to be able to look at how they can put their differences aside and really address the financial part of this with rational and reasonable thinking. And so that's a, an important chapter for me because I do believe that um, if we could start to solve some of these financial issues, that it might allow couples to really work on what's really going on in their relationship and not having money be the precipitous for the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that money probably. Um whether or not it's the the final this is not a, it's kind of indelicate sort of the murder weapon of a lot of relationships probably not the real cause of of of, of the problems in, in the relationship so so i appreciate that um things that that, that that you think are really the 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 best part of the book and and maybe just what 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 you're proudest of surrounding the book so I have a, um, a chapter in the book that talks about what an adult relationship to money should look like, um, and it kind of is at the end of where we've gone back in childhood and explored kind of how we came about with our beliefs, and, and I think that that's where we start to really get serious about, you know, how do you take ownership of your your money situation and your finances as an adult, and what does that really look like and how can you move forward? And I think it's so fitting during this time, George, where we've you know, seen so many things kind of happen this first part of 2020. And a lot of people are feeling, you know, maybe discouraged or not really knowing what's going to happen as we move forward. And what I encourage people to do is look at an op- this as an opportunity to learn some lessons here, and especially as it comes to money. And so having an adult relationship to money means looking at, you know, how close to the edge am I living on? Is there something that I can do about that where if another crisis occurs, hopefully it's not a global pandemic, maybe it's a personal professional crisis, but if another crisis occurs, will I be more prepared or better able to handle it financially so that I'm not adding that stress onto what might already be a difficult situation? Yeah, and that's such a important and, and timely timely message right now. So I think that that's great. Um, and I already asked you a little bit about you know what you're hoping to accomplish with the book. Uh, but in, 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 in a perfect world, what would be the impact across across the country of of the book 
Well, I, you know, the book is written to, to cause you to think. And so what I really hope is that people read the book and think about things, but also that it's designed so that it will inspire you to take action. The goal is for you to be thinking about these things so that when you do take action, you're taking action with intention and you're very clear about what it is that's going on in your head so that when you do take that action, you're more um, in a position to be able to follow through with that persistently over time. I see a lot of people who are really quick to take action and they don't really know why they're taking action. And then they really don't know kind of that background. So, you know, they're good for a period of time and then they get off track because they're not identifying the triggers that get them off track. So this is part of that journey to be able to have somebody take action with intentionality so that they're able to really make headway and not get off track because they know why they're doing what they're doing and what those trigger points might be and can identify them and make a different decision when they come up. I think that's awesome right there. It's giving people the tools to be able to, 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 to manage through it. So I love it. Absolutely. Do you have uh, any required or recommended reading aside from um, aside from financially free? So I read a lot of interesting books. I'm a chronic <laughs> chronic reader. I guess that may not be the right word, but I read <laughs> um, constantly, or I'm listening to books on Audible. I certainly love anything that Brene Brown is um, written. Right now, I'm reading. Um, a couple of different things. I'm, I'm actually studying for a tax test. So that's primarily what I'm reading. But mm-hmm. I'm reading a book called Energy Leadership, which I'm really enjoying. And then I'm also kind of dabbling in The Hero and the Outlaw, which is um, a book about brands and archetypes. And that's really fascinating to me, kind of looking at that marketing aspect. And so those are some of the things that I'm reading right at the moment. Nice. Appreciate that. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? Well, they can get a copy of the book at any major bookseller, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books. Um, they can also find me on my website at com. That's A-N-D-E-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Andy your appreciation and share today share the book it is financially free 11 conversations to have with yourself about life money and worth go to andyfraser.com it's a-n-d-e-f-r-a-z-i-e-r.com i'll list all those in the notes of the show thanks again andy thanks george and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out and go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.